They may sound nuts, so do the Wright brothers. Now, here's Flieger and Briggs. Welcome to It's Just Sports. We are Flieger and Briggs on 12-Ounce Sports. Just want to take a moment before we get started to tell you about 12-Ounce Sports. Now that the action's officially back on, 12-Ounce Sports is your home for the best live talk shows covering all aspects of the sporting world. And live game broadcast with Zingo TV adding 12-Ounce Sports to their long list of channels. You can now catch our show and all the others on Zingo TV, channel 761. All you got to do is download Zingo TV and use a promo code 120Z when signing up. It's that simple. Be sure you check out our latest blogs and podcasts as well on 12OutSportsRadio.com. And, Mr. Flieger, we are back on It's Just Sports one more time. Whoop-de-doo, absolutely. So you can check everything your boys have to offer over at, at AsylumFootball on the tweeters, AsylumFantasySports.com for all the show archives if you just can't get enough of this dreck. And, of course, uh, if you want to be a part of the show, it's just sports123 at gmail.com. You can email and inter- interact directly with the new svelte Rick Briggs all of a sudden. It's just as angry, just a lot less of him recently, I've noticed. Yeah, I, I have. And, and thanks to you. Well, of course. I mean, it's I don't Freaking miracle like worker. to say that all that often, but, you know, I have to – to say, I mean, you were the first one that became svelte between the two blobs that were us a few months ago. I haven't worn a shirt since May. You're welcome, ladies. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's proud of himself, and he should be. How much weight have you lost, Rick? Let's be let's be honest. And you started what January was it? Yeah, forty-ish pounds, I'd say. Okay, I started uh, the third week of June, and I have lost thirty. And feel a ton better. I mean, tell you, it's it, it's. I don't know if it's true or not, but I read somewhere for every extra pound that you carry, it's four points or excuse me, four pounds of pressure on your joints. Now, to be fair, you weren't putting a lot of pressure on your joints before, as you were just sitting around slugging beer <laughs> and eating. Trans fats, but when you have to get up and go to the bathroom to get rid of the beer, I mean, you know, it kind of aches sometimes, you know. Well, certainly. Well, it's good that you were still getting up to go to the bathroom, I guess. I wasn't certain that was occurring. (laughs) And and the good news is, while Alejandro isn't bragging about his weight loss, and he had he doesn't look spelt like we do with one shave, he could lose 15 pounds (laughs) at least. Yeah, what would have to happen? Look at look at your microphone now. Oh, there you go. Sorry, I'm getting away from the mic again. I'm going to turn it. Look at that. There you go. Amazing. What was Willie Nelson offered by like Gillette? Was it like a million dollars to shave? Are you going to tell me you wouldn't shave for a million dollars? For a million, yeah. You would shave for seven dollars and twenty-two cents. Wait, uh, how many pack? Six. Or, you know, your pre-dinner cocktail. I was going to say $7 and a 12 I wonder how much uh, Billy Gibbons will be offered to shave. He was offered before Willie Nelson, and I think it got up to like 2 or $3 million. Really? Really. Wow. So you're like a beard trivia expert. Give us more beard <sighs> trivia. I guess, sadly, yeah, I am. <laughs> more beard trivia. The show, the floor is yours. Um, there was a brewer, I think it's Stone brewery out in california of course it's a brew well, of course why not he was trying to brew a beer um based off of the yeast collected from his wild naturally occurring yeast that occurred in his beard nice yeast occurs in your beer yeast is everywhere so he <laughs> wanted to make beard beer yeah when you put it that way beard beer did he do it i think he did but it was a small batch that, they, that the company didn't release it was just like oh. For those you know who the last president was to have a beard? Um, Taft. No, it's not no. Taft. Benjamin Harrison. Look at that. I didn't beard know trivia. Benjamin Harrison was a president until right now. Yeah, I wow. assumed he was just some donk I'm, you went to high school with. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm stunned he, he was you the, didn't know that. Why don't politicians have beards? I don't know. Well, the, I mean, I mean, I get why after, they don't have these ne'er-do-well beards like Finkelstein does. But I mean, like after nice... Benjamin Harrison, there were what Teddy Roosevelt had a mustache, Taft had a mustache, 
Um, I think basically after that, I think they all were clean shaven for some reason. The style hasn't come back for like a hundred years. I don't know why. The the golden age of the beard. Um, there's a golden age of beards. Oh yeah. Like, so there's like this whole beard subculture I know nothing about. The, way back when it was distinguished. Abe Lincoln was the first one. Then you go. Johnson was clean shaven. Grant had a beard. Rutherford Hayes had a beard. Garfield had a beard. And then Benjamin Harrison, and after that, now there were mustaches intermingled. How do you know this? I know all the presidents. I That's always amazing. have. And their facial hairs? Yeah. So you're I'm, into all this stuff. Explain this. Con- I like history. Explain this convention thing that's going on oh, to me. What, that's not history. That's just nonsense going on today. I don't pay attention to I was to that. in the bathroom the last night or the night before looking at Twitter, and everybody was talking about the, the convention. There's that, that girl. I think she's a congressman. She's kind of hot, but she's crazy. AOC. Yeah, whatever she is. And they were all excited about whatever she was doing. So I flipped it on to see if she's still there because, you know, I would. But – I didn't get it. It's like they were just – it's like a Zoom, big Zoom call. Well, and yeah. then they were doing some kind of vote, and everybody was yelling, woo! And I, they were showing ones from the past, and it would be like 100,000 people crammed in a hockey arena, and they're wearing goofy hats. What, what's happening there? I'm, I'm not real sure about that. All I know about her is So you she, know who that William Taft had a beard, but this mustache. you can't no, explain he didn't. To. He had a mustache. Whatever. Um, and he weighed 300 pounds. But um, – Apparently, she got a lot of backlash because it's the Democratic National Convention, supposedly to convince everybody that their candidate is the guy you should vote for, correct? But didn't they already do all this? No, no, no. This is the Democratic National Convention. Next week, I think, is the Republican National Convention. Then that kind of basically kicks off the official election season to November. I feel like they've been anyway, yapping about this crap for two years Well, that's now. all they ever talk about anymore is politics oh, on okay. any station. But, but apparently she got on. She only had 60 seconds to speak. Probably for the best. Never mentioned Joe Biden one time. She mentioned Bernie Sanders and and some other people, apparently. That was that squirrely guy that looks like you that wants to give everybody stuff for free, right? I don't think I he looks like him. me. I mean, I am like – I'm like Cary Grantish handsome, and he looks like uh, <laughs> he looks like a mad scientist. If, if he was – if Briggs was like six inches shorter, uh, maybe a little less hair – a little squirrelier and less facial hair. I can see it. So he looks just like him, basically. Yeah, spot yeah, on. Yeah. Actually, I kind of like liking myself to Cary Grant. I don't think right, that's Right, Bernie Sanders. <laughs> I mean, you probably look exactly like I Cary look more Gr- like Colonel Sanders than Bernie Sanders. That's yep, true. That's true. true. <laughs> but you, you look more like Cary Grant does now today in his current state <laughs> than you did at whatever it is you're picturing. I assume he's dead. I was right? going to say, Cary Grant, I'm pretty sure is dead the, the, oh, right then yeah that's my i'm talking carrie grant that's my 1955 point. circa all right no no yeah current day perhaps no. i could give you, you know. that you think we should talk I mean, about carrie grant was so popular that archie leach wanted to be carrie grant who's archie leach carrie grant archie Le- he used that in uh, a movie ad living so was this some funny old man joke that i didn't get i didn't get it either but oh, that okay. was pretty funny he actually used that in a movie that wasn't in the script it says you know that Cary Grant, everybody wants to be Cary Grant. Archie Leach wants to be Cary Grant, and his real name was Archie Leach. Is that kind of like uh, what's his name from Mary Poppins? Doing the uh, was it an anagram of his name? Dick Van Dyke. Yeah. What was the anagram? I don't remember. I should probably Google. What's that. an anagram? When you say it okay, like Mister Mojo Rising in in the song "L.A. Woman" is an anagram of Jim Morrison. You take the letters, move them around, uh, and you can come up with something else. I have a headache. Should we talk about sports? Why? I mean, just because you are They're playing in, sports in now. waters that's way over your head because it has to do with history or famous people or anything else right. other than sports, so, you're lost. So if you're trying to claim intellectual superiority over me by giving me your vast knowledge of presidential facial hair and Cary Grant, I won't suffer this. This Who is, is the eighth president of the United States? I 
Don't Martin care. Van Buren, thank you so, very much. Okay, see, it's intellectual superiority. The Dick Van Dyke anagram wasn't that good. It's like Navkid Keed. No, that is bad. Yeah. That's that's not good. No. I mean, with Dick Van Dyke, there's not a lot you can do with, I guess. That's what she said. <laughs> he got and, you and there. He's like, and he's like 90-some years old, and I'll tell you what, he's still dancing. He's still alive? Yeah. Wow. And he's in excellent shape, apparently. Huh. I mean, if you're still dancing, well, you were all over it. that one. Good Lord. All right, sports, Rick. What do we want to talk about? Kick well, us I mean, you're the one who wants to talk about sports. Why don't you tell me, Mr. Flieger? Uh, you know I mean, what? I know you're prepared. I'm going to do something I never do. I'm going to lead what off makes this sense? show with the <laughs> National Basketball Association. Oh, God, he just made himself laugh again. We'll wait. Ooh, that was a good one. I need a cricket <laughs> sound effect. I need to work on that while we wait for Anyway, you. go ahead. The Nash- National yeah. Basketball Association, Rick. I've come to a stunning realization. <laughs> and what is that? I like basketball in the bubble. The bubble is good. Okay, why? I mean, I'm not disagreeing with you, but I just want to know why you do. We're coming off a day. Now, it's probably, it probably won't happen again. It almost certainly won't. Where both eight seeds defeated a one seed in game one. Right. This doesn't happen in a normal year. Not in basketball, not, especially. A home court advantage is so important in the NBA. Essentially, you can write down in any series what happens in the first six games of most series the home team's going to win and then the seventh game could get interesting number one they're playing no defense whatsoever which i guess is kind of fun they they shoot so well in these tiny gyms that that seems to make a big difference but you take out that home court advantage what you're seeing is individual talent winning out even more than it normally does. What Damian Lillard is doing right now is freaking absurd. And it makes these early round playoff matchups watchable. Now, it's still kind of the same game where, for the most part, we're getting to within 36 feet and just chucking. But at least they're hitting them (laughs) at a pretty good rate when when you talk about Lillard. It's better basketball, it seems like. It's more even, and I think you're going to see some good competitive deep series even early on. Well, let me ask you that, because we've talked about this many times, like in the NHL. I mean, when, when the normal playoff year comes, We've seen sevens, eights advance oh, many, many times. Just an average course and, of business. And, and home ice really means nothing. Why do you think it's so much more important in basketball? Is it is it a closer proximity because the the arenas are smaller? There's no really any barricade around the fans? Because, I mean, hockey rinks are extremely loud. So you right. would think that it wouldn't have that much difference. Or is it – just more parity in the NHL than there is in the NBA. I've never been able to put my finger on it because in terms of basketball, this isn't even an NBA thing. It's a, it's a college thing. True. It's very, maybe not to that level, but it's common that a inferior team beats a superior team in the NBA at home. It's almost, you know, like in the NFL, when they set the lines, it's an automatic three points for the home team when they're setting the line. In the NBA, it's got to be, what, four, five, six points you're giving to the home team? I could never put my finger. That's one thing that always annoyed me with the NBA as the money gets bigger, and now there's fans, like, sitting on the bench. Have you noticed that? Like, there'll be three fans, then the coach, and then three fans, and then the players, and then more fans. I never understood that. But you'd think at this level, that wouldn't bother them. In the regular season, I get it. You're putting on a show for your fans. The guys on the road most of the time don't care unless it's a big game. In the playoffs, I didn't understand. I just don't understand it. I, I do know it's probably you're more comfortable shooting in your gym, right? It, it's just kind of yeah. always that way. It's the difference between shooting at your high school or shooting at your hoop. I don't. It's. Just, I don't know if that's it. I could never really. I'd like an explanation to that from an NBA player. What? Why is it so significant? Or is it something that we saw in the Montreal Pittsburgh hockey series? Hey, Pittsburgh was definitely just totally flat right. for the entire series. Didn't matter where they were playing. But I, I, I see what you're saying. It, it, there's no, I mean, there's no chance for in the bubble for the home crowd to okay say 
whoever, Milwaukee comes out flat, there's no chance for that crowd to build them back up. Right, right. Yeah, I, I, I don't. And I think that's the biggest thing in college football or college basketball. Right. I'm sorry. I think that's why you see, other than just the general one and done format and being what it is in the game of basketball, what it is. But you look at a team that can be so dominant, Duke teams of the past, Kentucky teams of the past, so dominant in the regular season. Now you get on a neutral court against equal competition. Most of the time, the the fans in a neutral court turn against the uh, turn towards the underdog, and you see those teams start to get on. The fans make a big difference, like in Cameron and at Rupp and places like that. I guess that's the case in the NBA. I've got to be honest. I've been to two NBA games in my entire life, and they were with bad Cavs team because that's the closest team right. we have to here is Cleveland, and those weren't – you couldn't get tickets in the LeBron years. These were bad Cavs teams, so there was no energy in the building. I don't In the playoffs, I'm certain there are. That's probably a part of it. You don't have the opportunity to come out flat, which is why this bubble thing's so interesting, right? There, yeah. Nobody has that advantage. You're, you're playing in this – tiny little gym there's no fans it, I, it it's just it, it makes for better basketball i still don't like the nba product and what it's becoming but you see with the with the emergence of some of these young stars and a lot of bigs it's working inside a little more you know even Giannis, who who hasn't been good in the bubble but his game he can step out and hit a three but that's not his game you know Milwaukee works inside out kind of right. old school you're seeing it in Dallas you're seeing it in different places and then kind of conversely you have Portland kind of doing it the new way right where it's just Lillard as soon as he crosses half court it's going up he should they they set a stat during I was paying attention I watching that game last night they gave a stat where in the bubble he is shooting over 40% from over 30 feet, yeah, 40% from 30 feet, with presumably with some defense on him. So something like that's cool. I don't like that style of basketball. When a guy gets on that kind of roll, we've seen Steph Curry do it in the past. That's fun. So I don't know if I'm giving bad basketball a pass because I'm so starved for, for actual competitive sports, and now that we're in the playoffs, it's got my interest. But but yesterday, I think, was a really good day for the NBA. And, and you see – like you said, this type of basketball in the bubble, there's no fans, there's no home court advantage. It almost makes you wish that it goes. It was more, not I, I can't say old school basketball, but some of the rules were a little tighter as far as, you know, the traveling, the, the, that kind of thing, and just see what kind of really tight, tough basketball games you could get right. because when when you have the fans and everything you have that carnival type show atmosphere let them play they're running around yeah. and, and people but this stuff every, every game means something and when there's not that big an advantage you would like to see it really called down the line not ticky tack obviously but just the obvious stuff being called and not let go as much. And, you know, and you almost wonder. I have long felt as if, and nobody would ever admit it, admit it, nor would I expect to. But in any sport, but I think basketball more than any, I think a home crowd can influence an official. Oh, yeah. Subconsciously. I officiate, you know, youth games, junior high games, and – it can get in your head, right? You you make a couple close calls and it goes against you. You're thinking about it the next time you go to blow that whistle. So you kind of take that out of it. Now, I like that argument except for the fact that at the end of that Portland Lakers game, which obviously came down to the very end, four of the five guys on the floor for Portland had five fouls. In the NBA, this is craziness, right? right? So, I mean, they were even then all, oh, this is the Lakers, this is LeBron. Similar with Michael Jordan, this is just the way the NBA's been. The star, if you walk past him, that's a foul. They were kind of, for whatever reason, they were going after Dwight Howard early in the game because nobody, I, I still don't understand why, but everybody hates Dwight Howard, <laughs> including the officials, apparently, and his teammates and the rest of the league. And then it switched to, oh, crap, the Lakers might lose this game. Now every Let's time the ball went the inside, but Portland still pulled it off. So that that still goes on. I never liked it, but that's part of the NBA. It's just what it's it is. It's part of basically every sport, right. really, if you think about it. Um, you can go way back to the Immaculate Reception. I mean, the referee came out years later, and they said, well, what do you think? 
There's no way we're going to reverse this call and no. get out of here. You know, so <laughs> I got to get out of here alive. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. So you don't have that. So I think you see the games being called more even. And I, I guess it's just the fans, the energy in an arena makes that much different. You, know, you wonder how much just having the glass between them and the nature of the game of hockey, how much all of that matters. It's just sort of background noise where in basketball it's right on top of you. It's a smaller surface. I, I, yeah, don't, I don't honestly know. It's the fans question. are more intimate, but I don't know if it's louder. I mean, those hockey arenas, You sometimes, even watching them on TV, you can't even hear the announcers. Right. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's, it reverberates throughout the entire arena. So, I mean, I, I really think that home ice is negated more due to parity than – than lack of home ice advantage. You know what I mean? It could be. And I think just the nature of hockey is different, right? Right. When when a game can be 1-1-0-2-1 versus 1-22, you know, you need to score 100 to win. Right. Talent tends to win. It's hard to say. But all I'm saying is I think this product's better. I don't know if I'm just more star for it. It might level out. Chances are the Lakers are going to win the next three or the next four. Yeah. Milwaukee's going to win the next four. And it's going to come down to the Lakers and the Clippers and Milwaukee and Toronto. Like we said, it was going to back in September. And all of this will have been BS. But we got an hour to kill and there's not much going on. It'll be interesting. I like the Milwaukee series because, you know, you look at Milwaukee, obviously they're the favorite. I mean, they're more talented. They've got that, I don't know, like you mentioned, old school, but it's kind of like grinded out, beat you type of of game. But, yeah, I mean, it's hard to say. You get a hot – it's kind of like a hot goalie. You get a hot shooter in basketball. If you just don't kill the guy – He's yeah. going to kill you. And Milwaukee doesn't have any way to counteract. Them. Right. They have to be able to do their you thing up right. and run everything through Antetokounmpo. You had to be able to <laughs> yeah. run everything through yeah, him. him too. And if you could take him away, we saw it with the with Toronto last year going back to the conference finals. If you could take him away for two games, you can win a series against them. And it, it kind of reminds you, like, you know, all sports are. I mean, that that it shows you just how much team sports are. Because if you look, I mean, you just mentioned that. You can take him away for a couple of games, you can win a series. That's what Bill Russell did to Wilt Chamberlain. Right. And the rest of the Celtics were much better than the Warriors. Yeah. yeah. And, and they win. You know, so, I mean, it, it just, it's the better team, period. Wow. That was like 10 minutes, 15 minutes of NBA talk yeah. on It's Just Sports. We don't normally do that. No, we usually don't. But, you know, we can move. We mentioned uh, the NHL. They're moving in on these weird playoffs. You know, we just saw Tampa Bay beat, uh, eliminate the Blue Jackets. Uh, what was it? 5 4 in overtime last night. And they won 4 to 1. Boston's leading, who is it? Oh, Carolina. Colorado's leading the Coyotes. And the Flyers are leading the Canadians. All the lower seeds or the, the better seeds are winning in hockey. Yeah. Which that, is something you don't normally see. That's interesting. Except for the Capitals, right? Being down to the Islanders. The Capitals are, is that a 3 6 Oh, that's matchup, true. Yeah. I they believe. play uh, tomorrow night. And yeah, the Islanders leading, leading them 3 to 1. And they and, were up 2 nothing after 1 last night. I thought it was flat over. Yeah. And then there's Dallas and the and uh, the Flames are three to two Dallas right now. So, yeah, I mean, really, the only that in the St. Louis series, the St. Louis and the Canucks are, are two two, right? Are even a series, which is strange. I'm surprised by that. You'd think a lot of these would be more. We're seeing all kinds of weird stuff, right? Like Tuka Rask just up and leaves yeah. Boston, and they they keep winning. <laughs> I thought they were done at that point. Carolina yeah, looked so good. You know, it's kind of interesting. How you start something and then quit. I mean, I, I'm kind of baffled by that, to be honest with you. I can see if he opted out at the beginning, fine, not a problem, or whatever. But how do you start an NHL playoff and then say, eh, I'm done, I'm afraid of getting sick? Yeah, it's it's interesting this has kind of fallen under how kind of everything in this world does right now in this social media cesspool we live in and especially in this coronavirus time 
where there's two very distinct camps on this Tuka Rass thing. Either he quit on his team, he's a loser, he's a putz, he's a ne'er-do-well, and then there's the, well, yeah, family comes first and good for him. Finally, a pro athlete puts his family but first. I, I don't know where I fall on it. I, but that's the thing. I don't think either one of us fall either way. My question is, like, if your family is so important, why didn't you opt out to start with? And you know what I'm saying? It's kind of like, yeah, yeah, let's go. Let's go. And then, eh, I don't know. Well, this is where I, I'm, I'm just kind of baffled by the whole thing. I would like to know why. What What was it that said you can start these playoffs, but now all of a sudden, after game X, I'm done? I mean, what was – there has to be something that either happened or just a mindset or somebody – his wife, somebody influenced him. That's what I think it is. And and this is where I'm torn because I get it right. I have to assume he said, I'm going to do this. He talked it over with the wife and the kid. I don't know if his kids are old enough to talk it over with. It doesn't matter, but he talked it over with his family and said, we're going to do this, right? It's only a couple of months. This is a big deal. This is what I do for a living. We're going to do this. It is a Stanley Cup. Yeah, and now <laughs> he's been in this bubble for what? Well, they've been there about a month now, right, with the right. with the lead-up games and the practices and everything. He decides, I, I get as a human being, he just I can't take this anymore. I miss my kids. I miss my wife. I, did right. not, I can't take it. But in the mindset of a professional athlete and what, especially in hockey, what the Stanley Cup means, right. that's where this becomes a stunner to me. And, and I, you could convince me either way. I can't take a firm position on this. My default knee-jerk reaction is you don't quit on your team. You, you can't do this. This is you signed up to do it. You are the key player for this team right. you are and you just one day kind of out of the blue throw your hands up and say i can't take it anymore i'm out of here yeah that's awful but assuming the reason is i gave it a shot i can't be away from my family i guess there's a nobility in that i'd like i'm not a good enough person to but ever like come to, to know, that conclusion i like to know what prompted the decision you know what i'm saying i mean it's Tuka Rask. it's not bob anderson the third string winger or whatever right. that plays once every 5 years it's you know it's it's Tuka Rask and like you said the guy on the team let's go get him yeah I think I'm done, fellas. Well, I think it's, you know just, what I'm it's saying? family it's, pressure. It, I, I'm assuming. I don't I don't. But know. if it's family, I, I, I get it. I, I understand. But that's, I guess, that's probably why I'm looking for some sort of explanation. He owes me nothing, obviously, we know. But you would think if it was family pressure, it would have influenced him before the playoffs started. You would think. You would I mean, think. that that's my only like thing I said, there. What, the story I've told myself in my head, he got there, he gave it a shot, it was driving him nuts, it was making him miserable, and maybe something's going on at home. Right, who know. knows? But my default is you, you don't quit on your team. My, my default is that. But it's the Bruins. I don't like the Bruins, so good. I hope it knocks them out. You know one thing I discovered, though? I wish Brad Marchand wasn't such a dick. He is a good hockey player. Oh, you just figured that out. It's hard to see. But I knew that, but it was kind of hard to see through it because he's always licking people and doing stupid well, yeah. stuff. And, and I want to hit him with a truck. But when you That was pretty subtle. That there. was great. This is Rick tipping two beers. Oh, like you've never, that you've never bashed a microphone I don't think before. That, that, that level. That was, that I, was think I, I think you have. It sounded like a gong is what it sounded like. But, yeah, you're, but he is so good, and it gets lost in all the nonsense sense that is Brad Moore. First of all, he looks like a weasel, but literally and figuratively, that doesn't help him. He's Weasley like um, uh, Darius Kasparitis. Yeah. You just, oh, you just, if he was not on your team, you hated him. Now, when he became a Penguin, we loved him. Right, absolutely. Of course, you know, it was. He scores what, that triple overtime goal against Buffalo. I still remember that one, yeah. But yeah, you're right, and there's something about him that that kind of takes away from how good he is. I mean, you know, you you've seen like like you said the Dicks, the Casperitis, the Ty Domies, some of these guys over the years, but not with the the outright talent that Marshawn well, has. Just you it. know, I mean, this this could be kind of like Gretzky being a Dick. I mean, a little bit less obviously. But, but I mean, this is probably. 
I don't know. I, I don't watch enough. A top 10 to 15 star in this right. league from a skill perspective, but everybody just has a visceral reaction because he's licking people and cheap shot, just nonsense all the time. And I wish he would stop it because, really, what a great player. And it, it really dawned on me watching a couple of games. I'm paying much more attention this year again because right. there's nothing else going on. And it's just, just the skill, and he's involved in everything that good that happens for Boston. He's involved, and it's just – but still my first thought, I'm rooting against the guy, but he's so good. His game is beautiful. I mean, he should be. We should talk about him amongst the top six or seven forwards in this game. Yeah. And you don't. You just talk about him licking people. <laughs> and in the in the times of corona, you certainly right. can't lick people no. now. Imagine <laughs> if he did it in you a game now. You don't need to be licking people, Dory. You're right, Imagine exactly. during corona, if he licks somebody, they might throw him in jail. I know. I tell you what, though, you you look at. I don't know if you saw much of the series. I saw two or three games of the the Tampa Columbus series. You know, I didn't watch one minute of any of that. <sighs> Getting through the Blue Jackets, I tell you what, Tampa, that's a dangerous team. And uh, Tampa should be going for their third Stanley Cup. Oh, they right should now, be from a talent perspective. You're right. You're absolutely right. And and if they're not, I mean, if they just don't continue to roll i'm going to be i'm going to be shocked quite frankly especially with rass gone for boston who else in the east i mean the islanders already i'm they're not done yet but i mean I, i'm not thinking the caps are going to win three in a row against the uh, Isles. i wouldn't think you know i mean talent wise tampa's better in new york they're better in philly they're better in boston i think now without rask anyway but i mean that's that's certainly the closest caliber you have in the east I tell you what, I, I don't really know anybody in the other than the Blues. Right. I mean, there's nobody I want to roll the dice for other than Tampa. Vegas looks really good again. They do look really good. They're they're fun to watch. They they play a yeah. fun brand of hockey. But I have to wonder. Uh, I'm looking back on what happened with the Penguins. You know, we we touched on that plenty last, or we tried, and something else was going on. I remember we tried to talk about the Penguins for a while. And now you're seeing with the Cavs. No, we did talk about them. They were flat and they looked horrifying. Well, what was going on? Remember, there was crazy. Something happened, then Briggs threw the papers on the ground. Shocker. We, we got, got, we got had a derailed hardcore. Segment. I don't think I derailed the story, or I wouldn't have thrown the papers on the ground. I think Mr. Fligger derailed the story. It's always my fault. Anyhow, back to my point. You have to oh, go back to the control room, Alejandro, and roll those tapes back. <laughs> Yes, we still do this on reel to reel. Of course. <laughs> so, but anyhow, I look at Washington. It's kind of the same situation, completely flat. I always wonder these old veteran teams who have won consistently right. over time are just having a hard time caring about this bubble thing. I, I always, I always wonder that. I, I'm still kind of baffled that Pittsburgh and now you see like Washington. How any of these teams can come out flat? This is. This is basically a brand-new season, and you're already just starting for the Cup. I mean, that should excite even a 38-year-old, 20-year vet. You would think so, but it doesn't seem to be the case. It doesn't seem to be the case. You're right. It's really, really odd. So, oh, what can we do? Well, I'll tell you what. We're going to switch gears to the NFL, but before we do that, I want to talk about uh, mybookie.ag. You know, sports are in full swing. We want to help you take advantage of those sports investments when getting in on the action. 12 Out Sports has officially partnered with MyBookie.ag to give you the best deal possible. When you sign up on MyBookie.ag, they'll match your first deposit up to a grand. Yep, that's a thousand bucks. When you punch in the promo code 12OZ Sports, just get that money, man. It's it's. 12-ounce sports, 1-2-O-Z sports, when signing up on mybookie.ag, not .com, .ag, to get your deposit match up to 1000 bucks. Hell yeah. Make that cash. I used to have a straight cash homie button. What happened to that one? I, I don't, don't know, care. but I kind of. Hell yeah. I like the hell yeah. I miss Marshawn. It'll be, what, about week three we'll start hearing the rumors. He's coming out of retirement again. I oh, yeah. Some, we'll somebody will want 2038. Him, yeah. Somebody should, like, just give him a broadcasting job, like, from oh, a booth. I'd watch that. Like, H- HBO should broadcast games. <laughs> that way, like, He would just be unfiltered. the next booger. They'd have him floating around on some crane, 
Hell yeah. <laughs> I'm all about that action, boss. I'm just about that action, boss. Exactly. You know, there's a lot of talk out there. They've broken off talks, Minnesota and Dalvin Cook. He's not a happy camper, Rick. He's still reportedly planning on playing. Huh? I get what you did there. He's still at camp, not a ham- happy camper. Exactly. You're clever. I You're know. a clever one, Rick. Thank Bridge. you. He's like two for two of those today. But apparently Delvin Cook is reportedly considering holding out before arriving at training camp. This is weird. He remains at practice and is planning to be on the field for week one despite lack of progress on a new deal. So he's going to hold out with camp, but he wants to play in week one. Apparently, there's a new term for that. It's not holding out. It's holding in. They go to camp. They stand there. They don't do anything. When the coach calls them in to go to do plays, they go to the bike. Holding in. Holding in. See, I I don't like that. Because if they held out, it's like, I think, $50,000 a day that they're fined. So you come in and show no respect to your coach or your teammates. Got it. Holding in. Holding in. holding in. Hashtag holding in. We should hold in until Briggs gets his stuff together. I think if you hold in too long, you have to go see a doctor. Well, I know. I <laughs> Gross. You <laughs> <laughs> finally got that. All right. But, okay, he was drafted the same year Christian McCaffrey was, and McCaffrey obviously got the big extension. So I got to thinking, what type of leverage does he have – going into it with uh, negotiations with the Vikings. And so I, I pulled up McCaffrey stats and I pulled up Cook stats. You know, they both 2017 through 19. And McCaffrey had la- just last year alone had 2,392 total yards and 19 touchdowns. That's pretty significant. That's That'll give bad. you some leverage for, I, for an extension. I'm giving to understand those are good statistics. Yes, they are. Um, Cook, on the other hand, had 1,600 and oh, roughly 50 yards and 13 touchdowns. Nice year. Where does that give you any advantage? Are you Are you – course i guess it depends on what you're demanding and and so forth but if you're minnesota you go okay we've got a 1500 yard guy double digit touchdowns you look at what mccaffrey did you almost have to look at regression from mccaffrey the panthers aren't that good and i tell you what 19 touchdowns that's a lot of touchdowns and 2300 total yards it's gonna be hard to repeat it's gonna be awful hard to repeat so what if you're the GM of Minnesota? Are you looking at seventy five percent of McCaffrey money? You looking at seventy percent? Are you looking at the hell with it? I'll wait till what see what this year brings. What? It's kind of that last one. Here's the problem. Here's the deal. All right, McCaffrey's kind of out on his own island. I'm negotiating with Dalvin Cook. We're not talking about Christian McCaffrey. Christian McCaffrey has some built-in advantages that neither Dalvin Cook nor most, if any, other back in the league has, mainly being he is the sole focus of the Carolina Panthers offense, and especially going into this year. Now you run run your quarterback out. You bring in Teddy Bridgewater, a nice piece but not a world beater. You have a bunch of wide receivers that all the fantasy guys like to pull it over their head for every spring but end up being the same kind of guy. How much of how much of a downgrade from the current Cam Newton do you think Teddy Bridgewater is? I don't know who the current Cam Newton is. Well, what we saw last year, let's put it Probably that way. Probably a straight line. Probably a straight line, which again means – Christian McCaffrey is not going down much. Everything's running through Christian McCaffrey. Because we saw as the year progressed, everybody knew everything was running through Christian McCaffrey. Everybody stacked everything up against Christian McCaffrey, and he still put up those numbers you mentioned. 
So we're not, I'm the GM of the Vikings. We're not talking about Christian McCaffrey. Here's who we're talking about. Dalvin Cook's a great running back. He's probably one of the five best running backs, not named Christian McCaffrey, in the league right now. But here's who we're talking about. We're talking about Todd Gurley. All right, Todd Gurley got his, and look what happened. We're talking about Le'Veon Bell. Le'Veon Bell got his, and look what happened. This is what happens with running back. This may be what happens with Christian McCaffrey. I doubt it because he is such the focal point, but I've got huge money wrapped up in Kirk Cousins. I've got good money wrapped up and have a good wide receiver core. I've got two really good tight ends. I've built a complete offense. I don't need Christian McCaffrey. So even if Dalvin Cook is physically able to produce like Christian McCaffrey is, he may be able to. I'm not going to use him like that, so I'm not paying him like that. So now we're talking traditional, really good, pass-catching running back money. Now we're here we go, talk girly. Here we go, Le'Veon. You know Bell. who, who not, he reminds me of? Melvin Gordon. Could be. Well, I'm not making that mistake again. Right. Dalvin Cook. I agree. Is, Dalvin Cook is great. Todd Gurley. It, it was going that way anyhow. Todd Gurley has ruined this for everybody. For for running backs going forward, there is the sense, and for good reason. I still tend to resist this, but there is the sense amongst fans and the league that good running backs are pretty much plug and play. I could pay you $13 million a year, or I could draft a guy in the fourth round next year who can produce at 90% of that worst-case scenario and better than that best-case scenario. And when he wants paid, I'll put the boots to him and I'll bring in the next guy. So, unfortunately, Christian McCaffrey's just kind of a different thing. It's the right guy in the with the right skill set in the right situation. Dalvin Cook isn't in that situation. With the money they have wrapped up in Kirk Cousins in that passing game and with that coaching staff, Dalvin Cook, even if capable, and he may be, he ain't going to do it. It ain't going to happen. You're right. I I agree 100%. And even with the exit of Stephon Diggs, um, you still have Adam Thielen. You still have Dalvin Cook to throw to. Right. You have Kyle Rudolph. And, and, you know, they have, like you said, a a nice, decent core uh, of wide receivers. So I I agree with you. There's no – there's not any real leverage. He has some leverage in the fact – Okay, we are going to pay you if you stay healthy right. until what? After your fifth year deal, right? Right. But we're going to pay you accordingly. Right. After five years of stats, and it will be as it may where we are financially or close to Super Bowl contention. If in, if in two more years after his option year, they've lost. X amount of players, and they're looking at a six and ten season while they rebuild. <laughs> See ya. Yeah. And yeah. Even, so you brought up Melvin Gordon, right? Right. He, I guess, overplayed his hand. Right. Zeke Elliott's the other example, kind of on the Christian McCaffrey. That offense was built around Zeke Elliott. The offense is built around Christian McCaffrey. I agree with you. I think I think he falls more in the Melvin Gordon, where the Charger just let him ride till he had to come back right. in. And then Austin La Vista, and now we're talking about Austin Eckler is the next top ten running back who's kind of getting into. And that's what will happen. Everybody's but, already talking about Madison, right? You know, let, let's bring him in. Dalvin Cook's really unhappy, well. you know, and he can't afford to hold out. Kind of like Melvin Gordon, he needs that seniority right. here, yeah, or or you lose everything in, in your rookie deal. So hold it, in, what? Yeah. Hold in. And for his purposes, I don't begrudge anybody holding out, holding in, holding under, holding up. I don't care what they hold, whatever you want. Show up on week one, do the damn thing, and and get paid. It's it's unfortunate. I think the running back is unfairly devalued, but it is. It's just that. And I think they're more devalued because of – and maybe it's just in my head, but I don't know. It seems like there's so many more torn ACLs oh, and, absolutely. and Achilles and, and so forth when it comes to running backs than, than in years past. I don't know if it's because of these, I don't know, you almost call them computerized training regimens. These guys are so muscular 
and so strong. Oh, they're tighter than snare drums. Well, that, and that's the thing. And I think we talked about this on a, on a fantasy show years back. There was some doctor um, that was talking about that. These muscles in a lot of these players are so big. We see that, like like in in the the Franco Harris's whatever you know, the Earl Campbells and so forth. They were big muscular guys, but now these muscles. Because of all these enhanced training regimens, the computerized, everything is just focused on building these muscles. He says the muscles are so big. He says, but tendons don't grow. Right, exactly. And they can only hold so much. And when they go, buddy, they're gone. And, and I think that's why we see so many. We've already seen already some of these ACLs torn it just in these training camps. Oh, I mean, they're running around for crying out yeah, loud. It's gonna. I mean, they just put on pads yeah. two days ago. It's crazy, and, and not even all of them. So, all right, Rick, I've been avoiding this because, as you saw today, I came into the studio in a great mood. I was happy. I was jovial, <laughs> excited, happy to see my buddies and have a spirited sports debate. I was How ready can to you go. Sit there. In good conscience and, and lie. This is the truth. And lie. You came I in. I basically did you a came down, into you came, the studio. You came into the studio, insulted your daughter, and kicked her out. She was in my seat. We were having a great conversation probably for 20 minutes before oh, you got I'm here. I'm sure it was a brilliant conversation. Ask her. It was Alejandro's gone. Of course, he's gone to get beer. He's out of the studio. <laughs> yeah, and he's he gone. An hour. I mean, he's a producer, and all he does is get beer. But well, he's producing new beer, I guess. <laughs> yeah, that, he is producing. It so. is defense. But, but thank you, sir. But, but you must admit, Alejandro, we were having a nice conversation with his daughter for, what, 15, 20 minutes, correct? Fair. I mean, it was about TikTok, so. Yeah, come on. We were talking about other things, too, different types of uh, voices on podcasts, correct? Uh, no, not this ASMR yeah, stuff. Well, ASS you know, it doesn't matter if you agree with her. We were having a nice conversation. It, it was He came to the studio, insulted her, and kicked her out. I don't Am think I, I not ins- correct? I don't think I insulted Am her. Am I, I not correct? beat cheeks. That's all I did. It, is this going where I think it's going to go? Yes. Yeah. So, on that note, let's put the women and children to bed and go looking for dinner. Mr. Flieger. Oh, you, you want me to start yelling? Do it up. All right. So, let's talk about it. Everybody's been talking about we we I feel like we talk about this about every four or five shows anymore. The unwritten rules of baseball. I, I don't have to go through the whole scenario, but Fernando Tatis the other night, up seven, eighth inning, bases loaded, 3-0, Gets grooved a fastball and jacks it out. The Rangers manager loses his mind. The Rangers pitcher throws behind Machado the next at bat. More stunningly, this guy's own manager in in the dugout on the field in front of everybody calls him out and then calls him out again later in the media to the point where Fernando Tatis is doing some insincere apology video after the game. First of all, I didn't know if you were up big and the bases were loaded and it was a 3-0 count. You weren't allowed to swing. I didn't know this was a thing. This is the most absurd. This is what the greatest thing about sports is. You play to win the game. Exactly. Where where did it go? Hell yeah. yeah, That's what you do. I don't understand. When did this become a thing? I don't know. I never knew it was. You tried to defend this, right? You said you used to do this when you played in. You, I mean, when you, you played in little together. kiwi things yeah, in your but, diapers and didn't want anybody to hurt their feelings. Right. These guys are millionaires. And you know what? What I would have loved to seen is him to take that pitch, end up striking out. They get out of the inning, and then the next inning, the Rangers come back and score eight. I would have loved to have seen that. And then they would have been high-fiving each other for the great comeback. Yet when they get their ass kicked, they're crying like little babies. Well, and, and that's what have none of these managers, these stupid managers, noticed how bad all of their own bullpens are have we noticed how pathetic the last two or three years every bullpen is and yet we go to the bullpen in the fourth inning of every damn game i don't think a seven run lead in the eighth especially with the padres bullpen is a safe lead number two from a practical standpoint how much better is a padres bullpen than pittsburgh pirates 
the Pittsburgh. I, Maybe five percent. I don't 10%. think it is better. I think they're both absolutely. Yeah, and they, even they good are. Teams. Look at how bad the Nationals bullpen was last year, and they won the damn World Series. It was the story of the league how bad their bullpen is. Maybe right. no lead is safe, but then let's even say that's safe. Let's look at this from a practical standpoint. More than any other sport, what is the singular most important thing in baseball and in the history of baseball? I'll answer Winning that for the World you. Series. No, no, no. Oh, it's not. I'm it's sorry. the numbers. The numbers are all that matters. How often do you get a chance to hit a grand slam? How True. much is a couple of grand slams a year worth to you in your next contract? And in the context of the history of the game, really, how important is these? You are skewing the numbers. Everybody's bitching and carrying on about, oh, we got to put an asterisk on this year. And everybody's falling down through their assholes and hanging themselves over the Astros stealing signs because it threw off the numbers and it wrecked the and game. how many times he told me that I can't use certain words? Well, we did preface this with put the women and he children to bed. He said put the women and children to bed, so I had carte blanche to do this. Oh, carte I, blanche! I'm, I'm all for it. I'm smart. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it. Multi syllables. Syllables. But what did that remind you of? What did that remind you of? It didn't remind him of anything. But I'm smart. What did that remind you of? Fredo. Oh, yes. From the Godfather. I'm smart. I'll have you know. I need where... some respect. I'll have I'm you... smart. I'll I can you... handle well, you. You listen, damn it. What if three? I'll have you know. That's where I got it from. <laughs> Not from watching the movie. A podcast I like to listen to plays that drop, and that's where I got it. They have it in their in their replay machine. What Ser- was I talking seriously, about? Seriously. Carte blanche. Yeah, seriously. Before we get to car- carte blanche, seriously. Take whatever. Drink four beers and calm down and sit and watch The Godfather. Is it like four I'm hours tell- long? No, it's, it's like two and a half, something like that. If you watch it and never, you know, without commercial, you will – thoroughly enjoy it am i not correct alejandro I, I i agree but i think it's more than two and a half it might be three it's pretty close to three I that's think. a long time i know but if you got a few beers commitment. in you and continue to drink while you watch you enjoy it but i'm not going to remember the end it's okay <laughs> then you can watch the end of like the last half hour you know and say oh yeah i remember that and then you just pick it up and you're done that sounds exhausting meanwhile i can pop in friday knock it out in an hour and 20 laugh and have but a it's good not time. the same thing yeah Friday's better. No, really. No, it's not. I think it is. Trust me. I think Trust it is. Trust me. I, I've never steered you wrong. It's all you've ever done. <laughs> I've never hey, steered Rick, you wrong. Hey, Rick, let's start a podcast. Great <laughs> idea. <laughs> who never steer me who wrong. Who actually walked with your dead ass for six blocks to get a Pepsi in Atlantic City because where we were, you could only buy Coca-Cola? I don't Rick. even remember that. Your boy it sounds Rick. like something I do. And I stuck with you. I said, well, let's go get some Pepsi. Oh, Rick. I'm sure that's how it went. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of sticking with somebody, what's his face that came up after uh, Tatis? Manny Machado. Yeah. yeah. He got did, you see, behind. did you see him like looking at the Rangers dugout? Like, yeah, we'll talk to him. Well, that's what bothered me is the Padres turned on Tatis and all this as well. That is malarkey. What what is it with sports today? And I know they're all rich and there's so much trading and moving between teams. It's not like 40, 50 years ago where you have these teams that stay together forever. But why is it that all these teams – Seem to like the other team as good as their own team. I think that's just ludicrous. No, you hate them. It's a millionaires club. It it, it really is. In free agency, I think change. They all know each other. I think I don't care. I can't speak to it in baseball, but in basketball, all these good players have been playing together since junior high with these national AAU teams. They're all friends. But that's the point, though, Rick. He hits a he hits a grand slam, but the pitcher. All of a sudden, is thrown behind him. It, it wasn't even the pitcher that gave up the grand slam. Yeah. Next guy up. Right. But, yeah, exactly. It, but he's thrown behind him like, you know, they're so angry and evil, it, but then the other team turns. I mean, it makes no sense. Speaking of unwritten rules, there's a dumb one. 
I didn't throw that Grand Slam groove, which actually it was low and outside, but not important. So next pitcher in goes, eh, I got to throw at the next guy. Like, it's, it's stupid. What what does that do? What? You- That's really not an unwritten rule. That used to be actually certain pitchers. If you got a hit off of them or a home run, whatever the case may be, the next time you were up, yeah, maybe you'd get brushed back, something like that. But this whole idea of somebody hitting a home run and the next guy up, they throw at them, that's stupid. What you're what you're going for is different. Like, they're throwing behind them. Like the Mike Trout thing that we talked about earlier, they threw at his head. Like, that's ridiculous. Right. Um, would you say Bob Gibson – you throw them high and inside. Yeah. But I get that. Sure. I get that. Like, get off the plate. That's mine. But no. Bob Gibson, it, w- it was like if you got a hit, or say you hit a home run, the next time you were up, right. Bob Gibson brushed you back. He didn't brush back Rick the ne- because he was the next batter up. That right. wasn't – see, that's the whole thing. It's, it makes no sense. It's kind of like – Okay, it, it's almost like token resistance. I'm going to throw behind well, you. Well, that's exactly what it is. And, and we're really angry, but, hell, we're going to hug at the end of the game Rabble, anyway. rabble, rabble. Exactly. So, But I think the one thing people aren't talking about, and we've only got a couple minutes here. We probably should have brought this up earlier. But the one thing people aren't talking about, hitting a baseball for a professional hitter, even one as great as Tatis, is a very finicky thing. And what I would worry about with if I'm him and why, I think this thing is stupid. So he takes that 3-0 count. I, I can understand, first of all, I want to say, I can understand his manager being upset because they gave him the take sign and he ignored that. That you can you can give him heck for in the clubhouse later. Right. All right. But. Yeah. In the clubhouse right. later. Yeah. Not publicly. No, that's, that's bull. Yeah, that's, that's craziness. But think about this. So he takes that 3-0 pitch. He takes the 3-1 pitch. He fouls one off, then he strikes out. Right. As finicky as hitting Major League pitching is, that could start a 15-game slump, whereas hitting that grand slam, he's been on a heater. I think it was at his seventh home run since they started back up, something crazy like that. So you give up these opportunities. How often are you going? First of all, why even going back to we were talking about this before the show? Why back in the little league were we taking three zero pitches? That's the best pitch you're going to see more, sure, more than likely. Trying to throw a strike the entire game. So that I know, but that's a whole different conversation. He lets that opportunity pass. He strikes out there. This could conceivably start a slump. These guys are so superstitious that such a big part of hitting a baseball. It's ludicrous to pass up that offer. And I'm sorry with the pitch. And I don't care what the score. I can see don't steal bases up big, all that kind of stuff. That, the stand there with the bat on your shoulder, nonsense. I'm not and, doing it. And with the pitching staffs of today, oh, yeah. no, 7-1 to one isn't safe. Well, I don't, don't care who, what team you are. It's not safe anymore. Well, don't forget we the big news then the next day. They got up 6 nothing early. He stole third. And this was still early in the game, and Twitter blows up. Oh, God, he's doing it again. The next thing that flashed yeah. up, it was 6-3. Texas hit a 3-1 right. homer, and it was a game again. Yeah. I so, mean, look, we have to – you also have to take things into into perspective. There's, what, 30 teams in baseball now. Right. You go back 50 years ago, there was 20. Now you have the same amount of players – you know, condensed on 20 teams. I mean, I'm not saying the players were so much better back then, but the teams were concentrated more talent. Oh, absolutely. These pitching staffs are so suspect anymore, and these guys, the the balls are jacked. These guys can hit it out just about any time they want to. Not any time they want to, but you make good wood on the ball. It's gone. Right, absolutely. And and these leads aren't safe. I I don't buy any of this crap. If you're up 12-0, Go for 15. Who cares? You play to win the game. We'll end on that. But while we're ending, I want you guys to think going into next next week because it's going to be very difficult, especially for baseball. A Mount Rushmore of baseball players. Oh, and I forgot what I wanted to yell about. Who do you eliminate to put on Mount Rushmore? 
on it. Go ahead. Get us out of here. All right. Well, thanks so much for joining us. We didn't get to half of what we wanted. We will be back next week to catch up on that and everything else. Check it out at Asylum Football on Twitter, at 120Z Sports on Twitter. Until next time, well, you just messed up the music there. We'll see you. Take care. Play to win Win the the game. game. Hashtag her. Hashtag Marshawn Lynch. Hashtag, hashtag. All right, enough hashtags. Hashtag Rick Flieger. <laughs>